Hey, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. What a great, what a great service. Kids did a great job and always fun to see that and uh, just to watch them, just to watch them. Uh, we're so glad you're here and those that uh, just are, are with us today, maybe you're a first time uh, guest with us today, just welcome, welcome. Maybe you're new watching online. Thank you for just being with us uh, here today. Um, you know, when we, when we think about this time of the year and as we, we celebrate um, Christmas, uh, you know, I, I really want us to discover the whole reason why God actually had to come in the form of his son. And, we, and what we understand is that Jesus was fully God, fully man, who came into our midst. And, and, there's, and there's a reason why God had to come, and he had to come. And for that, we are so grateful, and that's why we celebrate it today. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would discover the deeper meaning of Christmas and what it personally means to you. Um, you know, because we can easily allow Christmas just to pass and then it becomes just a distant memory. But Christmas and the birth of Jesus changes everything, if you allow it to. It changes everything about your life. And so that's what we want to discover today, why God came and God being with us. I want you to think for just a moment, a difficult time you went through. Maybe it was, maybe it was a time of loneliness. Maybe it was just a time maybe you spent in the hospital. Maybe it was a death in the family. Um, maybe it was just a time where you were just, you know, you felt alone that nobody was there. And I, and I want you to just recall that time. And I want you to remember what you remembered the most, what you remembered the most. And the, the times that I go through, maybe the times of loneliness or when you go through a real difficult time in your life, many of you know the story of my wife and I, uh, we lost our first child and, and just walking through that really difficult time, you don't really remember maybe what everybody says. You don't really remember maybe the words that were necessarily said because so many times when we're trying to help someone else, we, we want to try to pick these exact words they're going to help or heal. But how many of us know when you've gone through those times, the thing you remember the most were the people that were just there? The people that were just present. Sometimes just being present makes the biggest difference. And I can remember those people that helped us or were just there or took us out to dinner or just came and sat with us. Some of my friends that just came and sat with us or sometimes someone just sitting with you in your grief, not saying anything, but just being there. Being present is the most important thing that you can do. Why is someone's presence so significant? Because no one wants to be alone. Nobody wants to be Alone. I remember one of the most challenging things during COVID was loneliness. That time we had to distance. In, in our church, we distanced for a couple months and we moved to online. But our first service back was outdoor service that we were able to do. Many of you were part of that outdoor service. And we started on Mother's Day. And on Mother's Day in May, you know in Rochester, it was a beautiful 80-degree day. 
The flowers were all out. You know, we opened up all our swimming pools. It was great, right? No, it was 40 degrees, and all of you were tucked into your cars with a heater running, and I'm outdoors, right, having to, to speak in this really cold weather. But I remember that first time back after a couple months, and I remember Ruth Brooks, who's our eldest member of our church, she came speeding into the driveway at about 60 miles an hour, and I was there greeting people as they were coming to the driveway. And I remember Ruth just had tears in her eyes because she goes, I just miss everybody. It's so good to be back at church. And I had tears in my eyes also because she almost ran me over. But that's another point. It's just, she was just so glad to be back. Um, Listen, listen, Christmas, I want you to understand, Christmas is all about God coming close. He comes into right where we live. And I want to share with you what makes Christianity different from every other religious belief is this very thing of God coming close. I want you to understand that God is not an impersonal God that's far off, that expects us to go through and jump through all these hoops to try to get to know him, that he expects us to try to be perfect and do all these righteous and good things at, at, at just a glimpse or a hope that we can have a relationship with him. No, God does something for us that we can't do for ourselves. He actually comes into our mess. He comes into our world, our dysfunctional world, and he actually lived among us. Christmas is all about God coming down. So why did God come near? Well, I, wanna, I want us to read the biblical account in, in Matthew's gospel in, in chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, because this gives the reason of why God came to earth. And what I, I, don't, I don't want you to see the Christmas story as just a baby in a manger, because if you don't connect the crib to the cross, you miss the whole meaning of Christmas. It's so much more than just a baby in a manger, if we don't connect the dots and see that the Savior came on a mission and for a reason, then you miss the whole meaning. And if we miss that meaning, then it can't change our lives or transform our hearts. So let's see the purpose and the meaning of God coming to earth, starting in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. Amen to God's word. This is the word of the Lord. I, I, I want us to see something here. When, when Just at, at, at first glance of this passage, when Joseph found that Mary was pregnant, he was going to divorce her quietly and not put her to public shame. Now, I want you to understand, because the betrothal that they were in, their, their engagement, was much different from what we see today. 
a betrothal was different from our engagement today. I want you to know how serious this was. A, a, a betrothal was actually a legal binding document. This was a legal binding thing that was going on here and could only be broken through a formal divorce. So in his dream, an angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph to share God's plan of this baby that Mary was going to give birth to. An angel shared that God would come and actually save us from our sins. So why did God come near? This is very interesting. This is very interesting. This was to separate this baby from every other religious figure that was ever born, or ever will be, or was. This was to show that there's something different about Jesus. It starts and ends with Jesus. And I want you to see the importance here. Every other religious system is about man trying to reach God. They try to reach God through their works and being good enough, hoping that their good works will outweigh their bad works. Can you imagine living that kind of life? Can you imagine standing before God and hoping that your good works outweighed your bad works? That's a pretty hopeless way to live your life. Here's the incredible thing about God coming down to us. He knew that we could not reach him in our own strength or our own righteousness or goodness. He knew that we couldn't appease him through our righteous acts. God knew that we were helpless to save ourselves, completely helpless. We could spend our whole lives trying to do good and trying to do the best we can and with all our efforts, and we would still fall short of God's perfect standard. God is a perfect, holy God in every way. Romans 3.23, the Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, for everyone has sinned. So we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. Yay! Aren't you glad you came to church today, right? We're all sinners. He said, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us. Now you think to yourself as you're sitting here, doesn't this verse make it sound impossible to please God? And you would be correct if you're trying to do it in your own strength. You would be absolutely correct. There is no way that we could ever appease a holy God in our own standards. So what he does is he comes to save us through his son Jesus. Through Christ Jesus and our faith in him, the judgment of God is no longer pointed towards our sin and rebellion. Jesus comes and does the work for us. Everyone should say amen. He does the work for us. And and I'm thankful for that. And Jesus, so what Jesus does in his life is he meets the righteous demands of God for us so that we are actually made right before God. Through Christ Jesus and his righteous act and him being the son of God and perfect in every way meets the righteous demands and appeases the righteous demands of God for us. And by us putting our faith in him and believing that he's the only way, Jesus' righteousness is now imputed into our lives that positionally we are made right before a holy God that our confidence now doesn't come in whether or not I'm good enough or I think I'm good enough or I hope, hope that I'm good enough, but my confidence comes through Christ. My identity is not in what I do. My identity is not based in my failures of my past and all the mistakes that I made. Man, isn't that good news? For all of us who have screwed up in our past, and all of us have, that's good news. 
God does not hold that against you any longer in his son Jesus because Jesus met those demands for us. And so why Jesus coming to earth as God, why is that important for this reason? It's called the incarnation. God coming in the form of man is called the incarnation. It it literally means that God took on flesh. That God himself comes to give his life for you and I. This is so important because the word incarnation literally means the, the act of being made flesh. And so the doctrine of the incarnation is that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human, fully man. These two natures are joined together in this hypostatic, the big word, hypostatic union. These two unions Together, fully God and fully man. Jesus, the Son of God, takes on human flesh. And the Apostle Paul explains this for us in the first chapter of his gospel, why this is so important. And we understand that there had to be a sacrifice made for our sins. And so what Jesus does, being God, he makes this perfect sacrifice in his own life. Now, if you understand the Old Testament, there's all these sacrifices they had to make through the, the, the blood of bulls and goats. But it was only temporary. It didn't last. They had to do it year after year after year. Well, Jesus comes once and for all to pay that penalty for you and I in his very life by coming to earth in the form of a baby, being born in a manger, and he does it for you and I as he hangs upon the cross. As, he, as our sins are placed upon his shoulders and upon his back, he dies for our sins so that he could have a relationship with you. He comes into our filth and our mess and our, def- and our dysfunction so he can have a relationship with you. He comes to where you are to show you his presence. I would say that's a pretty awesome God. He's not expecting me to say, hey, Bard, I hope you can reach me. I hope you can reach me. I hope you can get there. Good luck with that. We'd all be instant failures. But John says this in verse 14, chapter 1. He says, The word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, meaning he lived among us, tabernacled, literally, among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus is. The word John speaks of refers to this eternal son who was, who was always God as the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is God. In the manger, Jesus is God. And he will fulfill the will of the Father. See, this is so important for us to understand because, because Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You can't get any closer to God than Jesus coming right here on earth to dwell among us. Now, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, story on the, the night before, on the night of Jesus' arrest, before he goes to the cross. He, one of Jesus' disciples, Philip, uh, one of his disciples asked Jesus this. He says, he says Jesus, if, um, just show us the Father and that'll be enough. Show us some sign, show us the Father, and that'll be, be enough. And, and, and Jesus, he has this dialogue with Philip. And Philip, here he has been hanging out with Jesus. Jesus has been doing the miracles. And he sees him. And Jesus is teaching them who he is. 
And yet Philip still wants a sign. If, if you just show me something in my bowl of Cheerios, something that's spelled out, something in the clouds, Jesus, just, just so I know. Can I just say something before I read this passage? Stop looking for a sign out there. God comes right to us in the form of his son, could not get any closer to us to show us that he wants to have a relationship with you, to show us who he is through the presence of his son. And so Jesus takes this occasion to talk to Philip. Now, we're more like Philip than we, when we want to understand. So here's how Jesus handles Philip's question is essential. And, and John the Gospel of John 14, 8, 9 tells us. So Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Give me a sign and I'll be good. And listen to Jesus' reply. He starts off by saying, have you not been with me all this time? And I think there may have been this added thing. I don't know if it's in the original text, but I think there's the word, duh. So I don't know if that's in there. I think it should be. But he says, "You listen, I've been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? We are one. Philip said he'd be satisfied if he saw an appearance, give me some sign. Philip believed in appearance, would raise this barrier of any doubt that he would have. So many times we spend our lives looking for signs to raise the barrier or the doubt that we may have about Jesus. And Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm right here. I think he took Philip's head and says, I am right here, Philip. I'm right here. I'm God. Everything I did points to who God is. I am right here. The word satisfied is very interesting in the Greek because it's this word archaeo, which carries the idea of of raising a barrier. He said, the, the barrier will be lifted if you just show me a sign. And what Jesus is telling Philip, he's basically saying, listen, I am God and we are one. I am lifting all doubts you may have about me. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's all you need. Jesus is all we need and no more. Listen, you can spend your whole life looking at new age, other religions, all other things. Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the end of your search right there. Will you find me? And listen, can I just be honest with you? Some of you may have been hurt in church or whatever, and I'm sorry about that if that happened to you. But please, don't make it a judgment call on who Jesus is. Yes, people represent Jesus poorly in many instances, and all of us at one time or another have not been so becoming of who Jesus is, right? Can we just be... Everybody out there? Okay, now I'm getting home. Now I'm getting a little... All right, we've all been there. And we have to humble ourselves in those circumstances. But Jesus is not mincing any words. Jesus is telling Philip, you don't have to look any further. I'm it. I'm it. 
When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I, what I've done is I've come into your world so I could have a relationship with you. I can give my life for you. I'm going to open up so many doors for you. I'm going to set you free from your sin. This is why I've come. God comes to do the work for us. All you need is me. God came to live among us. And Jesus says to Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am. Don't, don't miss this season of God coming, yes, in a cradle. But don't miss why he came. And it's great to sing these songs. And, you know, Kathleen and I, we were at an antique shop just looking around, and there's Christmas, you know, this time of year they play Christmas carols in the stores, which I think is great. And the girl, I don't know where she was in, in her relationship with God, um, but she was singing the Christmas carols. Silent night, holy night. I thought for a moment, maybe I should have asked her. But like, do you know him? Not just sing about him, but do you know he came for you? And I blew an opportunity. Don't miss who Jesus is. He came for us so we could have a relationship with him. A God with a face. God with skin, a God who hugs us. Do you realize that Jesus' physical form is in heaven right now? Isn't that crazy? When he rose, it was a physical resurrection to show that we too one day will rise with him and one day we will have new bodies where this, the stuff on earth, disease, decay, cancer, all that stuff will no longer have its effect on us. Isn't that good? We'll be changed. So we're going to see him for who he really is one day. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That wasn't in my notes. That was just a side thing for you. But that, I'm looking forward to that. So why does it matter? Why does it matter that Jesus came? Why does it matter? Why does it matter that he came in the form of man? Why does this matter? Well, chapter 1 of Matthew, this is what Matthew tells us in verse 21. And this is so beautiful, and I, I, hope, I hope you understand this, that Jesus came to save us from our sins by giving his very life for us. And what we understand from Scripture is that sin separates us from God, and no matter how hard we try, we can never overcome that sin by ourselves. So he becomes our sacrifice for our sins. Now, I, 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 I want to just illustrate this for you. So I've got a little object lesson for you guys. Aren't you glad you came today? So, all right. Steve, I got Steve who's going to help me with this. Steve, would you come up? Can you give Steve just a warm welcome as he comes up and helps me? Okay. So, Steve, I heard you like to break things. So here's a hammer. Okay. Okay. I'm going to just get this ready. And then, Steve, just, um, I got something else in here for you, too. We, um, we have just for safety reasons, Steve. Is that okay? Okay. So here we go. Steve, what, what I want you to do is I just want you to break. What he's going to do is just, just break this ornament. And uh, somebody at the first service went, oh, it's just an ornament, it's cheap, don't worry about it. Okay, so just just break that ornament, not my finger, but just the ornament. Yeah, just, yeah, you don't have to go, yeah. Oh my, okay, hold on, keep going, hold on. Gosh, you really, okay, go ahead, go, there you go. Don't, yeah, don't break my table. 
Oh, now he's, now he's getting cute. He's using the side of the hammer. Okay. Good job. All right, Steve, I got something for you. The kids will like these. Give, give Steve a round of applause. Good job, Steve. Good job, Steve. All right. So I want you to see something here. This is, he did a good job breaking this up. Here's what Jesus does. He comes to our life, and he comes right into our brokenness. This is all the stuff that got left behind because of sin. He comes in, and he comes to heal us of our brokenness. But what do we do? If, if you don't understand why Jesus came, what you'll end up doing your whole life is trying to fix your own brokenness. And what you do is there, there'll be this futile attempt of trying to glue all, this, all these broken pieces back together. And so we think to ourselves, well, if I can just be a good enough person or uh, maybe just you know, go to church, all those things are fine. I'm not saying those are bad in themselves. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to heal ourselves and our brokenness by trying to put all ourselves back together by maybe some religious pursuit or just trying to be a good person. You can never do it in your own strength. And some of you, you might be thinking in the back of your mind, um, this is a good example of my life and my past. Pastor, it's broken. There's so much junk in my life and so many things I did and bad choices that I made. How can God come and help me with this? Help me with all my brokenness. How can he put that all back together? And what Jesus does by coming to earth He takes our brokenness and our sin and he dies to it for us. And what he does is he heals us. That doesn't mean that those scars are are not in your life or will ever forever be there in your life. But no longer is your past held over your head when you are in Christ Jesus. In fact, the word of God says, that God doesn't just take this and then glue all these parts back together. He doesn't do that. What he does is he makes you a new creation. In fact, Paul says, all things become new again. That's why I love church. Because we're just a bunch of broken people. We're just a bunch of beggars helping other people where to find bread, right? if we're honest with ourselves. But what Jesus does is when you come to him, he restores you, not just glue the pieces back together, but makes you a new creation in him. That's why he came to restore us again from all our brokenness, all our bad decisions, all our sin, all the things that cause us to fall short of God's perfection through Christ Jesus and our faith in him. He makes all things new. So what I would tell you is stop trying to do it yourself. Don't, don't do it through religion. Don't, don't try to do it through your good works. It'll never work. You'll always feel like a failure. But Jesus comes and he restores us through his life. He restores our brokenness and he makes us a new creation. Listen, Jesus knows how broken we are yet he still loves us. He still loves us. 
your performance or trying to be good enough has nothing to do with why Jesus came. He came because all of us were lost. That's what Matthew tells us. That's what the angel told Joseph. He, he comes to save us from our sin, from our waywardness, and he gives his life for us. And then the glorious thing about that is now he says, and I want to have a relationship with you. I want to heal you. I want to show you a whole new life that you never even thought existed, that, that exists now in my grace, in my mercy. Now, go show it to other people. Go live it out in your life. A, a couple months ago, um, Kathleen and I were able to pray with this one young, young woman. Just a lot of struggles in her life. And, and as we were praying with her, she kind of just prayed out. And we asked her what she needed prayer for. And she basically said this simple prayer. She goes, I just need Jesus to help me with my struggles and my addictions. I need his help. Can I say something? God hears those prayers. He wants to come in to your life, right where you are, right where you're living, all your messiness, let him in. He wants to bring you that healing. He came to walk amongst us. He came in our world so he could know you. That's why he came. My question to you is, do you know him? Not the, not the baby in the manger with the cows lowing, whatever that means, the cows lowing and the shepherds and, you know, the wise men who weren't there on that day. They came a couple years later just to straighten out all your theology. But that's okay. Keep them in your manger scene. I won't say anything, okay? But, but just, to, just to be correct. Um, listen, he came to come into your life and to change it. So where are you today? You, you, you might be here today and pastor, pastor, you may say, Pastor, I've never taken that step. Well, that step is faith to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's the only way. If you believe in that and you trust in Christ, he will change you. He will give you a new life. Does that mean everything tomorrow is going to be changed and different? No, you're going to still face the same stuff probably but you're not alone. You are not alone. And you can take that step. And for those that take that step, the Bible says you will be saved. And we're, we're saved from God's judgment or we're no longer objects of his wrath and judgment any longer in Christ Jesus because we've taken that step to trust him, to follow him. In fact, if you take that step today, we want to help you. We want to pray with you. I'll be up front here and Pastor Brandon, Pastor Matthew and some of our deacons would love to pray with you. There's actually a booklet in the back of the church there on the giving box that just helps you with your walk with the Lord. For those of you that want to start that walk with Jesus, by all means, it's free. Take it. We'd love to help you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. But let me pray for you too that are here and you just feel like your life is beyond repair, that it's so broken that you feel unworthy, that you feel, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't feel like the, the new bulb, you feel like the broken bulb. Allow your worth to be found in Christ and Christ alone. This world will break you, but not Christ. Not Christ. 
He's here to restore you completely, fully, beyond comprehension. Let him do that in your life. That's why he came. God with us. You will never, ever be alone. Know that you are never alone. He is with us. God, who created the universe, is with us. So, Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today and just thank you for this beautiful day, beautiful service. Lord, I first pray for those who may not have taken that step to initiate that relationship with you, Lord. I thank you that that step is initiated by trusting you and our faith in you and who Jesus is and what he came to do. And Lord, I pray for those that are taking that step today, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them and who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you desire to have a relationship with us through your one and only son, Jesus Christ. So I pray for those today who are taking that step. And I pray for those too, Lord, who are just going through stuff, who just are broken in their past and they feel unworthy. Lord, I just pray that they would see who you are and that you have stepped in this world. You've stepped into our messes and there's not a mess that you haven't seen. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to come into our midst, that we would find our worth and our security in you and you alone. So thank you for your incarnation. Thank you for coming to earth to show us the way back to the Father. And it all starts and it all ends with Jesus. So we thank you for that and we give you the glory. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. And all God's children said, Amen. Can we thank him for his word today? Amen. Listen.